women on the wing. And he got one man down just being him. He wearing Gucci. So he Gucci. He got to know me all drinking doze. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Fluid Football Podcast. Finals are over, and 2020 nearly is as well. Today, we will be talking about Chelsea's squad issues and uh, catching up with the rest of Europe since we've been gone for so long. But first, uh, Jacob, what are your thoughts on the uh, London Derby yesterday? Look, I, I mentioned earlier, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but uh, you know, top four is in sight for Arsenal. Uh, half joking there, half believe it. But I'm very happy with how it went. People were a little skeptical with Arteta's lineup. We played, you know, two or three more youngsters than, than maybe we would have um, two weeks ago. No Willian in the squad, thankfully. Um, I think Arsenal fans are ready to, to see him go, you know, after just half of the season. But anyway, you know, the youth I thought brought a spark. I thought we played, you know, with a bit more inspiration than we have um, this season. And I think we... We showed a bit of, of quality. I think Granit Xhaka, of course, scored a scored a fantastic free kick, but he had a good game. We played up to the quality that I think we know we can play with. And that's, I mean, I don't, I don't want to spend all, all day talking about this, but when I say top four, I don't know if I mean top four, but I mean, we'll, we'll reach, you know, that area again, just because we can play to this quality if we play the right players and, and, and we play as a unit. Um, and... We very obviously had a very poor start to the season, but that's not the Arsenal that I think people should expect to see moving forward. I think that was just a very, you know, extended rough patch in Arteta's managerial career and, and in our season. But I'm very happy with how yesterday went, and I thought it showed a lot about Chelsea as well. But I'll let you uh, I'll let you go before we get into that. Yeah, I thought Arsenal kind of got back to where they were in lockdown. Um, you know, especially against bigger teams, you saw them beat um, City. I think they beat Chelsea as well in that FA Cup run. Um, and it was, I think they, they know, I think they know how to beat the bigger teams. I think the question is, can they beat the teams that are in the mid table or, or uh, lower in the table? Because in those situations, you know, as we've seen Manchester United struggle with, you know, you have to um, dictate the tempo, you know, usually, you know, teams are going to sit back against you. So you have to find ways to break them down, you know, against a team like Chelsea who enjoy the you know majority of possession, Arsenal were able to break, you know, quickly on the counterattack and look really dangerous there. Um, but I don't think that's that's something they're going to be able to do against, you know, Brighton or, or Newcastle, let's say. Um, so I think that's that's um, an area where I think the jury's out still on Arsenal. But I thought, you know, they, they yeah they look they looked solid yesterday. I think I think they got a little lucky um, in terms of you know how things went. But I think you know they were they were even on paper. I think with Chelsea in that game, and they got a little bit of luck to kind of knock it over the line. Um, for them so you know good for them you know going um, you know nobody uh, you know had Arsenal winning that game um, so it, it was you know great performance and um, it seems like Chelsea always underperforms or, or doesn't play well when you guess when they play Arsenal that's funny yeah no but but if we're being honest here luck's been very hard to come by for Arsenal this season so I think uh, you know people wouldn't necessarily say it's undeserved and I know you didn't say it's undeserved either but uh, you know I'm, I'm just happy to, to finally see things fall our way a little bit. Um, but like, like you said, you know, um, you know, Arteta, we all thought he was going to come in and, and implement Pep Guardiola tactics, you know, pinging the ball around the pitch, dominating possession. And we've, we, we saw a bit of that at first, but we've quickly seen, you know, Arsenal turn into a very defensively disciplined side, which is, you know, it's not the Arsenal that we're used to, but it, it was a successful Arsenal 
post lockdown, right? Um, and and so so what the the key issue is going to be moving forward and what everyone's begging for in the winter transfer window in, in January is a creative midfielder um, so that we can not only keep possession and, and stay solid defensively, but you know have someone who can who play play those line breaking passes, play play through balls to our wingers, help us get in behind um, and and have more of an attacking prowess than we've had because you know Pierre Emerick Aubameyang has not had a good season. But it's not all his fault. He's he's not had much service whatsoever. Um, you know, you know, but guilty. You know, guilt falls with both parties there. Um, yeah, and I thought you know switching to the four-two-three-one from the three-four-three was a good move yesterday because you know having that extra midfielder, you know, Emil Smith Rowe, um, just you know added another an op- another option in, in midfield. You know, I don't think he played outstanding, but you know it was a little something different. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm not really sure. I mean, um, who, who Arsenal would bring in? I, I listened to um, the Ranks FC podcast and they were talking, you know, about potential signings. You know, Emi Buendia um, for Norwich was one that they brought up. Um, but, you know, other than that, I mean, it's, it's going to be a tough ask to to bring someone in to Arsenal, you know, who are currently, what, how, what are you guys in the table now after? It looks, oh, 14, 14. Uh, assuming everything today. Yeah, yeah, 14. Yeah, so, I mean, it's going to be a tough sell in, in the January transfer window. So, I don't know. I, I'll be interested to see, you know, what moves they make. That's a good point, yeah. A name I heard recently was Julian Brandt. Um, but again, it would be interesting. It's the first time I heard it, but, you know, I don't, I don't mind the, the sound of it. Um, regardless, we're, I, I, I can't imagine we're going to spend that much money on an attacking midfielder. So it's going to have to be a, a good value signing like Buendia, someone of that caliber of that age, but you know, a good price. So, so we'll see how that goes and we'll see how the window goes. I expect a lot of, um, you know, movement out of the club in, in this next window, a lot of moving out, a lot of deadwood um, that we're going to get rid of. So, so we'll see. Yeah. And uh, you know, that brings us to, our main topic of today, uh, Chelsea, the losers yesterday. Um, you know, Twitter was was ablaze with, with the hot takes yesterday. You know, everyone, you know, I think that the fact that it was, it was a London Derby kind of exacerbated these things. You know, I don't think it was as bad of a, of a performance as people think it was. I thought, you know, it wasn't great. Um, and they should have, you know, on paper, you say, you know, they're more talented. Maybe they should win this game. Um, but it wasn't like, you know, they got blown out of the water, I don't think. Um, but but it was disappointing for sure. And, and, you know, the amount of money Chelsea have spent, they they should not, uh, you know, their fans hope they, they should not be in a position like this against, you know, a team who were as low on the table, you know, as Arsenal were. Um, but, yeah, I mean, we can – we can. there's a lot to go into here. But, yeah, I guess what are your thoughts on Chelsea well, immediately? So, 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 I mean – People can't help it. I can't help it. No one can help it. When you see a, a squad with Timo Werner, Kai Havertz, Christian Pulisic, Hakim Ziyech, um, you know, all as attacking options, among others. I'm, I'm blanking, um, but, you know, Callum Hudson-Odoi, you have Tammy Abraham, Olivier Giroud. So many big names, so, so much squad value. It doesn't matter that it's their first season together. People want to see results and people want to see great goals. People want to see a lot of goals. And so they didn't play bad. Chelsea didn't play poorly, but they're also still not close to the expectations that people have for them. Um, and, and, and again, we can't help it. Um, yeah, it, it, you can't help it. Yeah, I think they have the deepest attack in the league. Um, you know, they have, 
seven or eight, you know, if you include Mason Mount in there, you know, really quality attackers there. And, you know, the reality is you're not going to be able to fit everyone into the team at, at once. And I feel like what Lampard's been trying to do is just trying to shove as much attacking talent as he can on the pitch at one time. So then you have, you know, uh, players like Werner who aren't really uh, natural wingers or, or Havertz who aren't, who is not really a, a winger kind of being shoved onto the wing because, you know, they prefer the four three three style of play and they just want to get um, as much attacking talent in there as possible. Um, so, yeah, one thing I would like to see is, is, you know, them maybe go, you know, switching formations from the four three three, you know, maybe go to a four two three one, you know, to, to allow Havertz play in the 10 spot or maybe go to like a three five two or a three four one two where you allow uh, Werner to play up top with someone else because, you know, that's where he really thrived at Leipzig was when he played up top, um, you know, in a two-striker pairing. And, you know, what he's really good at is running in behind. And we haven't seen any of that, um, you know, at Chelsea. You know, he's not really someone to, to take someone on on the dribble like like Hudson-Odoi. Um, so he looks really uncomfortable out there, isolated on the wing, or, you know, even when he's playing up top alone. So, um, yeah. Yeah, no, totally. He's not – he has a couple highlights this season, and all of them um, are him blowing by people with his pure pace. He's absolutely rapid. I didn't realize how quick this guy was, um, but he is. And so if he's playing in a two striker formation, you could even have, you could even squeeze Kai Havertz in there and have him almost as a, a center forward, uh, you know, as a false nine with Werner in front of him. That's how you could fit them together and have Havertz in a more advanced position, which, which actually would be interesting to see. Then of course you don't have Tammy Abraham or Giroud. I think Giroud is more out of the question at this point. I don't, you know why that is. I'm not sure. I, I'm a, of course, I'm a big Giroud fan. We saw him put four past Sevilla, but I digress. Um, like you said, it seems like Lampard is just putting all the wrong... He's trying to pull all these parts together, and they're just not the right parts in the right places, and this machine's just not functioning properly. Um, but when it clicks, I mean, I, I don't want to say hopefully, but for football, hopefully um, by next season, it's going to be scary, and it, and it will be the best attack in the league, in my opinion. Um and so, so, so of course, formation and, and, and personnel is one issue. But I have another point, but, you know, it looks like you have something. So go ahead. Yeah, I mean, I was just going to say, you know, if they're going to stick with like the 4-3-3, I think Hudson-Odoi should be starting over Werner on the wing um, because he's an actual winger and he knows, you know, he's extremely effective there. So, yeah, Werner's probably a better player overall, but um, not when he's kind of shoehorned into the into the wing spot there. So. Um, but yeah, I mean, back to the, to the two striker thing, I think, you know, like I said, the three, four, one, two would be interesting playing Havertz in the 10 and then, uh, maybe Giroud or, or Tammy Abraham alongside Werner. Um, but then if you do that, obviously you lose the ability to play with wingers like Ziyech, um, Hudson, Adoy or, or Pulisic. So those are the trade-offs you have to make. But I think, um, you know, if you rotate your squad, it's scary to be you know, going against, you know, these wingers, you know, like, like cousin Adore or Pulisic one week. And then next week you, you have to face, um, you know, Giroud and, and Tammy Abraham or Werner and Havertz. So I don't think there's anything wrong with, you know, not playing some of these players every week. I think you just have to, if you really make use of your depth, that, that can be the greatest. I think that's, that's their greatest strength. And, and that's something that they need to utilize better. And you see teams, you know, priority Liverpool prioritizes the Premier League. So in cup competitions, they play you know, full youth squads. With this much depth and this much quality, Chelsea could, you know, could compete in every competition and put forth a strong lineup, a well-rested strong lineup, every match. Um, that, we'll, we'll see with that. And then, uh, yeah, real quick, the other point I wanted to make um, 
is regarding Timo Werner and Kai Havertz is, you know, they both moved from the Bundesliga to the Premier League. And something that I've noticed, I noticed Kai Havertz struggle with, especially um, a couple weeks ago, um, is simply the physicality of the Premier League. And I'm not sure if you've heard anything about this or have seen anything, but, you know, Timo Werner had a quote uh, less than a week ago, just talking about how much more difficult um, the transition has been than he expected, uh, you know, much more physical than he thought. And, and he seems to be struggling and he's not scoring at the same rate. Kai Havertz isn't getting minutes right now. Have you noticed anything? Do you have any thoughts on on this transition? Yeah, I think um, I think Havertz said the something very similar to that, and um, I don't think that's necessarily surprising because everyone kind of says that about the Premier League. But considering that these guys are two of the most sought after transfers, you know, in the world, you know, basically, yeah. I mean, you could argue that they're one and two in terms of you know, other than Sancho, maybe and Mbappe. Um, yeah, most sought after. So it, it was surprising to see qualities or players of their quality kind of um, still lamenting this kind of thing. But you know, you look at Havertz; he's incredibly you know thin and, and tall, um, and, and so he doesn't really. He's kind of I would say positionalist in, in a way because, I mean, he, he doesn't really. He's not really an eight. He, I mean, you could play him maybe as an attacking eight. You know, maybe he's a ten. You know, he's been played as a false nine. He's been played as a winger. I'm not really sure, you know, where he's most comfortable. I think it's, you know, as a 10 or, or maybe an attacking eight. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's difficult to, to change leagues, especially during the pandemic. You have a shortened off season. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of things working against these players right now. Um, so, I, I mean, I think we, we have to see, you know, time will tell with just, you know, just like it does with all transfers. So I think it's, it's way too early to write these guys off. Um, but yeah, I mean, the jury's still out on them, considering the amount of money they paid. Yeah, for sure. And so, so going off of things going against players, Callum Hudson-Odoi has six appearances in the Premier League this season. We, we've already talked about the incredible depth that Chelsea has. Callum Hudson-Odoi is not necessarily at the top of the pecking order. Um, I know something that, that you're wondering and that, that you'd like to talk about is you know, whether Callum Hudson-Odoi should stay at Chelsea. We saw he was linked. He was linked to, with a you know around a 50 million pound transfer you know about a season ago with Bayern Munich. That of course has fallen apart. They signed Leroy Sané. Do you think Kalmuts and Adoy should stay? Should he go out on loan? Um, what's his future looking like? Um, I mean, I think I think Lampard should keep him, but the way he's kind of been treated makes me think that Lampard kind of thinks he's expendable. So, you know, if that's, you know, if that's the case and he, and he can't really get minutes, I think he should go on loan because I think he's, he's really good and it's and somehow underrated at this point because of the amount of talent that is at Chelsea right now. Um, but, you know, I think everyone, you know, says, you know, Chelsea have, have a ton of attacking talent, but if you look at the, the winger depth, it's not great. I mean, they basically have three true wingers, um, you know, Ziyech, Who's might not even be? I mean, he, he might not even be a winger. Yeah, yeah exactly. First, I didn't think he was a winger until the end of last season. Yeah, <laughs> I, he's yeah, more of a ten. I do love know, him. Maybe. Do love him on the wing. Love yeah. So I mean, yeah, Pulisic and, and Hudson Odoi basically your true true wingers there. So I mean, in in terms of that, I think Chelsea should definitely keep him. But from his point of view, if he doesn't get minutes, um, yeah, there's no reason to stay really because uh, his his career is only going to go backwards if he's sitting on the bench. Yeah, uh, you know, I feel like you covered it. He's a hot young talent, right? He was—he's very sought after. Uh, you know, most clubs in the Premier League would love to have him. 
he's how old is he 20 21 um yeah. he's still obviously uh very early on in his career if he were to make a move you know do you think it would benefit him to to move to another competitive club or would you, would you like to see him just find another club maybe in the Premier League where he could get more minutes because the minutes seems to be the problem right now. Because, you know, a move to Bayern Munich, I, I don't know how much good that does him. He's, I mean, he's yeah. starting over over the current, uh, you know, wingers that they have. Yeah, that's Packers. true. I mean, I, I don't know if he'd want to go on loan to a, a mid-table Premier League team either. You know, I think he enjoys playing Champions League football as most players do. So, I mean, I, I'm, I'm not sure where the best move would be. <laughs> Um, you know, maybe moving to a, another league, like, you know, uh, I don't know, somewhere in Syria, you know, I, I feel like it could be interesting. Um, but, but you're, I mean, maybe Dortmund, you know, as a, as a Sancho replacement, um, you know, in the future, I think that could be interesting. Um, but yeah, it's I think, very interesting over, one. yeah, I think overall, I think the best move for Chelsea would be to keep him and to integrate him, you know, keep, continue to, you know, get him involved. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think. If you know, like I said, if he if he's not getting minutes, then he should really push for um, a move to, to a place he will. Yeah, and I think Hudson Adoy is already too big a name to move to a Brighton. Uh, yeah. No offense to Brighton, but he is yep. too big a name at this point to really take a step down, uh, unless unless he gets to 24 years old and he's still not playing. Um, you know, I can only see him moving parallel, sideways, um, or upward. Not that there's much room to move upward. Yeah, and I know I don't think Chelsea are going to let him move to anyone in the Premier League that are you know directly competing with them. So I think basically anyone in the top six are kind of out of contention for him. Um, and you know, like you said, he's not going to move to a you know such a small club, you know, or a smaller club. So I mean, if he's going to move, I think it's going to have to be outside of the Premier League, um, which makes it more unlikely. So you know, it's it's I don't think it's very likely that he leaves. Um, but I think Chelsea need to to really start respecting him more. Yeah, very fair. Let's uh, let's take a step back now and uh, you know move back from Hudson Odoi. Let's talk about Chelsea, you know, as a whole. Um, you know, what what do you think would make this season a success for for the Blues? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, number one, Champions League qualification. I think that's. I don't think that's a successful. Se- I mean, it's a successful season, but I think that's the baseline. So you know, you have to. That's a, a test you have to pass. And then for them to, to make it a success, I think they have to win a, a silverware in some in some case. So whether that's the Champions League, whether that's the FA Cup, um, I'm not sure if they're in the League Cup um, anymore. But you know, one of those trophies, I think, um, you know, they have to have to win because it, it would just show um, that the squad is progressing. The the amount of money that they spent um, is actually you know helped the um, the squad improve. Um, so I think that that's where you assess it. I, I, you know, I think Premier League is, is still a little bit too much to ask at this point. I mean, honestly, they have the talent to win the Premier League, but I don't think anyone's saying, you know, it's, it's Premier League or bust um, this season. But, but yeah, I think, I think they would do well to, um, you know, have a run in the cup competitions. Yeah, of course, the cup competition, um, you know, it, it, it is the uh, road to success for, for any club that's not Liverpool or Manchester City right now. Um, there's, of course, a lot of pressure on Tottenham and, and, and Jose Mourinho right now as well to win win some silverware. Pressure on Lampard. We saw uh, Arsenal just win the FA Cup. Um, Manchester United are, <laughs> need to find Ole needs silverware more than anyone, I think, right now. Um, but but you know Chelsea have drawn Atleti in the Champions League. I think you know I would probably back Atletico just very slightly there, just because of their you know pedigree and because of their you know. <laughs> 
constant their, their, their frequent success their recent success in the champions league you would back atletico but it is winnable it is a winnable tie um and so we could see chelsea progress to the champions league quarterfinals and, and maybe to the semifinals and i think you know a champions league semifinal i don't know the last time chelsea was in the semifinals maybe 2014 uh, 2012 um it's been a while yeah that that, that it's been a while for, for a club of this caliber and of this standard so I, I think that, that, you know, that would be considered successful for Frank, for Lamps. Um, and I, I, I agree. I think, you know, not finishing top four in the Prem is inexcusable. I think you know, they're, they're already finished top four. There, there's no excuse. Yeah, I mean, unless they win the Champions League, if you don't finish top four, uh, I think it's an automatic failure um, right there. But, um, yeah, I mean, Atleti, you know, they're top of La Liga right now. Uh, Felix, Chao Felix is really coming to his own. So, you know, they're a side to be reckoned with. Um, so, yeah, I would definitely favor Atletico right now. But I think Chelsea have the talent to not only win this game, but but win the competition. So it's just a matter of, um, you know, can they, you know, really gel as a squad? Um, and, uh, you know, are they mature enough to, to kind of um, to win these kind of competitions? Because they are pretty young. Um, uh, even though they have, you know, Thiago Silva, they have Giroud, you know, they they still have a, a ton of um, youth, especially in attack. I absolutely, and you bring up Thiago Silva. I absolutely love Thiago Silva. Um, yeah. <laughs> just just side note, what a class player, like absolute leader on the pitch. He just commands the back line. Um, and, you know, he's he's become a great partner for Kurt Zuma, who struggled at first when he joined Chelsea. And I, I really thought his career at Chelsea was going to be over after, a, you know, one or two seasons. Kurt Zuma's emerged. You know, he was the top scorer for Chelsea uh, for, for at least a couple of weeks. Uh, and so, you know, again, like with the back line even as well, we've talked all about the attack and, and the depth there. The back line is, has improved quite substantially as well with the signings of Thiago Silva and Ben Chilwell, you know, alongside you have Kurt Zuma and Reese James is the preferred right back at this point. Um, and Edward Mendy. It's, it's, I mean, half the squad has been completely renovated. More than half the squad has been renovated. Yeah, it's, it's really impressive, um, you know, how they've turned around because last season it was a, a huge uh, weakness was their defense. They had a really poor defense. And this season um, they have the fourth least uh, ex- expected goals allowed. So, you know, a really impressive turnaround and, I mean, Thiago Silva had a little bit of a rough start. You know, he he had a, a mistake against West Brom, I believe, and everyone was kind of writing him off. Oh, he's too old. But you know, he's yeah, he's he's class, like you said. And you know, he'd been doing it at PSG for a number of years there. Um, and he really brings that solidity that you need. And and Zuma, I mean, credit to him, man. I mean, he was kind of a meme a couple of years ago. Um, and you know, look, I mean, he's incredibly dangerous on corners. He, you know, he just seems to really settle into to the center back role there. You know, Chilwell's been a pretty much seamless signing. Um, so, you know, they spent $80 million on him, but so far it's well spent, I would say. Um, and then, yeah, Reese James has continued his development to becoming you know, one of the best uh, right-backs in the league. Huh. You know, I, I actually I forgot to, uh, you know, I, I think I saw on Twitter yesterday on Arlo White's, um, you know, uh, you know, before his matches, his commentary, he has uh, stickers of every player playing and he has a bunch of notes. Thiago Silva was on some ridiculous uh, winning streak, you know, from PSG to Chelsea in terms of, uh, game, you know, league matches. And so, unfortunately, that was ended for him yesterday. Oh, uh, wow. But, I mean, just, just um, one of the greatest defenders of this generation. I think most people would, would agree. Uh, yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, I think overall, um, you know, let's just go through real quick the transfers. I mean, you know, like we said, Showell, I think that's a, that's an automatic success. Or not automatic, but, you know, success so far. Instant um, upgrade. Instant yeah. upgrade there. Yeah. I mean, Marcus Alonso and uh, <laughs> Palm, or Emerson were were not uh, convincing. But, um, yeah, then we go to Havertz. You know, like like we said, I think um, Jury's still out there. Havertz and Werner. Um, you know, I wouldn't, you know, they've shown flashes, but... Um. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't mark it as a failure yet. But you know, time, time will tell. tell. Time will tell. Exactly. <clears throat> yep. And then Thiago Silva. I, I would mark that as a as a success. Um, and then Ziyech. I would say, leading towards success. He's been injured a lot, so um, or he hasn't played much as well. But you know, like he's he's also shown some some really good flashes. Um. So so yeah, you know, better than than Havertz and Werner, but not quite an automatic success. Look, I mean, then, uh, Hakim, Z- Hakim Ziyech, obviously fitness has been the issue. He's he's not fit right now. He's not in the squad right now just because of, I think, maybe a hamstring strain. But uh, anyway, you know, I, I don't like to compliment rival players very much, but Ziyech is, I mean, I can't say because of Pulisic, but he's by far my favorite player at Chelsea. Um, he, I mean, he's they call him the wizard. He's, he's an absolute wizard. You have to watch this guy cross the ball from, from the left or from the right. It's just... He, he has ridiculous control um, over the ball. And he's such a fun player to watch. And he, he again, we don't know if, if he's a natural winger or a natural 10, but he thrives uh, in both positions. And, and he's thrived so far this season, despite the fact that he's definitely uh, less physical than someone like Kai Havertz, who, you know, they're probably equally skinny, but Kai Havertz has, you know, at least half of a foot on him. Ziyech is absolute class. Uh, and he's one that I wish, you know, Arsenal signed. He is an Arsenal fan at heart, so maybe one. <laughs> yeah, day. everyone is. Everyone is. Everyone is, <laughs> right? You know, Including Paul Ar- Pogba. Have you seen the uh, Arsene Wenger's almost signed eleven? Yes. <laughs> you know, every, every player that's ever. Police report releases that uh, about once a year. So, um, yeah, I mean, Ziyech. He, I was trying to think of a, a player comp, and I think he's kind of a mix of Kevin De Bruyne and and uh, Riyad Mahrez. You know, he's got that tricky, you know, cutting into his left. Um, Kind of thing that that Riyad, you know, Maras does, and then also he's got that aesthetic, you know, passing that that De Bruyne does. You know, the way he just, you know, strokes the ball around with his left foot is quite incredible. So yeah, I mean, aesthetically, aesthetic king right there. Um, exactly you know, just just a pleasure to watch. That's exactly what it is. It was blanking me. Aesthetically pleasing. He absolute wand of a left foot. He's just so fun to watch. Aesthetically yeah. pleasing. Exactly. And then uh, finally, Edward Mundy, um, I would say instant success as well. Um, you know, definitely an upgrade on Kepa. Um, just because he's not, uh, he doesn't look like he's miserable all the time. Uh, Kepa just looked like he was like in, in a jail cell or something. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, it's good to see uh, Chelsea get their 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 guy. And it was, it was a pretty shrewd pickup, I think. You know, they didn't, I mean, they paid around, I think, you know, 25 million or so. Um, from uh, he was he was brought in from Liga, I believe, and I he wasn't really. On, he, I think so. Yes, Leo. Yeah, he wasn't really on a, on a lot of people's radars. I don't think in terms of you know, I think Onana was one that was mentioned. Um, but but yeah, it was it was a good pickup, and um, you know, credit Chelsea's recruitment team again. Yeah, credit Chelsea's recruitment team, but it's definitely a you know a makeup decision there. I mean, they broke the bank for Kepa. That's true. That's true. <laughs> so you know, you know, they they've restored a little bit of the of their credibility. Yeah. Um. But uh. So do, real quick, do you think we're gonna see Kepa, you know, sold? 
Yeah, I mean, I think he said he doesn't want to be backup, or that's the rumor at least. I mean, I don't blame him. Um, I think he's going to go back to to Spain. I yeah, believe he was agreed. brought in from Villarreal, I think. Um, uh, I think Athletic Bilbao. Oh, Bilbao. Okay, my bad. Sorry. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. So, but the, the problem with going back to Bilbao is they have a, a great keeper there, Unai Simone, who's who's kind of the up and coming, you know, keeper. Um, so I don't think he's going to be able to go back to Bilbao and start. Um, but yeah, I, I would expect him to go back to La Liga um, just because I don't know, he, he is Spanish and, and that seems to be um, where, where he'd be more comfortable, I guess. Yeah, uh, you know, he's still he's still young himself. I think he's around is he maybe 25-ish, if I'm not mistaken. But either way, yeah. I mean, he, he, he can't, similar to Shkodran Mustafi, he can't stay in England any longer. Um, <laughs> confidence is absolutely shattered. And it, it's really going to do him no good. Every time the guy plays, every time, you know, Frank tosses him a game to, uh, you know, try to boost his confidence, something goes awry. So, yeah, I think send send him out and hopefully hopefully things turn around for him. It's uh, uh, it's Minule-esque for Liverpool, you know. Min- and Carius-esque, Minule-esque. And Carius, yeah. You know, and, and pick, pick your Liverpool goalkeeper. <laughs> <laughs> the clock's ticking for... Uh, oh, and uh, <laughs> I know, um, what's his name? Adrian. Adrian's apparently out oh, because... Adrian. He's uh, been replaced by the academy keeper, um, yeah. Kellerson, I believe. So yeah, yeah. that's that's interesting. But um, but yeah, I think covered a lot here with Chelsea. Um, oh, one last thing, I guess. Yeah, um, you know, a lot of talk here um, about Frank as a manager. Where do we put him in comparison to our Arteta at this point? You know, it's 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 difficult to say. It's almost. It's it's very difficult. I'm gonna I'm gonna remove bias here, but we're dealing with a club in Chelsea that's, you know, been been top four for a few years now. Um, a club that is willing to spend a lot of money on a lot of players uh, versus Arsenal right now. Um, of course, you know they've made a couple of big signings lately, but it really feels like they're playing in different leagues right now. Um, and over the last few years, of course, Arsenal have barely qualified for the Europa League for two seasons in a row. Um, and so in terms, it's, it's not like they're managing equal clubs right now. In terms of the actual styles, I'm having trouble really identifying a style that, that Lampard has implemented. There, there is still a lot of rotation in the squad, as we've talked about, that's expected. But I, I'm struggling to identify the style that, that Lampard's implementing. And I think, look, I'm, I'm, I'm probably sounding biased. I think Arteta has at least instituted some sort of tactics uh, some sort I mean I don't want to say Frank doesn't have tactics but you know he has the style um Arsenal look a lot more defensively solid we're much more disciplined with the same players that we had before for the most part um but I want to hear what you have to say yeah I mean I think um to me they're pretty much even at this point I think Arteta you know winning the FA Cup is a big deal um you know with the squad he had and I mean obviously this season start has been pretty bad um but, you know, when you look at Lampard, he took a team that finished um, third and then he he finished fourth, I believe. So, um, you know, credit to him for cham- calling for the Champions League, you know, dealing with the transfer ban. Um, <clears throat> but the amount of talent he's been given this season, it's been it's been a little bit underwhelming. You know, they started off strong. Um, but, you know, like you said, it's, it's hard to compare. Um, but but for me, you know, they're, they're pretty much even um, in terms of, you know, what they've been able to do at, at the respective clubs. Um I think uh, <clears throat> Lampard, you know, what he's, you, you know, you asked, what is he, you know, kind of implemented the, the, the most notable thing for me is um, the pressing, you know, I think Chelsea 
rank, um, you know, near, near the top of the Premier League for pressing. So that's the biggest thing they've done. And, and you know, having those young athletic players um, is very helpful for that. Um, but, you know, other than that, um, <laughs> you know, having more talent seems to be their main identity. So, <laughs> Look, and, uh, you know, for the record, Frank has not beaten Arteta yet. I think in three, 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 three matchups, but you know, who's counting? Not me. <laughs> <laughs> Not me. All right. So I think we've uh, assessed uh, Chelsea's issues and, and, and diagnosed them, um, you know, properly maybe, but um, you know, a lot of, a lot of other news, you know, around Europe in the time, you know, we, we spoke last, um, you know, I think most notably, a couple of days ago, uh, Mauricio Pochettino was was appointed uh, manager of, of PSG, um, replacing uh, Thomas Tuchel. Has it become official yet, or is it still? Uh... I don't know if it's official. Uh, Fabrizio says so, so I don't yeah, know. Yeah, so it's, uh, it's basically official. But um, yeah, for all intents and purposes, purposes, you know, Poch Poch is manager now, um, and uh, it's it's interesting um, <clears throat> that that he went there. Um, you know, former player at PSG. And I saw a stat, uh, this is quite fascinating, 25% of, of Europe's top five leagues, um, the, the clubs are managed by former players, which I thought was insane, honestly. Um, <clears throat> yeah, but, it, you know, Ali's left off the hook here. Uh, <laughs> you know, uh, Pot won't be replacing him at least. Um, but yeah, it's going to be it's gonna be fascinating to see um, him implement his style or try to with, um, you know, superstars of Mbappe, Neymar, and Di Maria. So, Really interested to see how this goes. Uh, this, what, what are your thoughts? This, this is going to be exciting. Um, you know, Poch took to Man United would have been a very similar story uh, with Spurs, in my opinion. Clubs that you know have a lot of quality but haven't had much success in recent years. I mean, Tottenham more so, of course. But still, PSG's problem is the Champions League. Um, we saw Poch bring a, I mean, a, a good. Tottenham side to the Champions League final not a great Tottenham side but a good Tottenham side and now you're right he's working alongside the likes of Neymar Mbappe Di Maria um, and an experienced team in Europe and so I really I, I, this is it's another team that that has so much quality but just can't crack the code and maybe it's the chemistry maybe it is a lack of of style because the quality you know is is better than than almost every team in the world so I think, I think Pochettino could do it with PSG. Part part of what was so special about his time at Tottenham is is how strong a bond he seemed to form with the players, and and how strong the players seemed to form bonds with each other. It just felt like, you know, a very close team, right? I mean, no way around it. It's just very strong chemistry within the team, and I feel like if if Pochettino can kind of bring that same feeling and, and bring that same dynamic um, within the club. I don't know, maybe the players will start fighting for each other. Um, and, and maybe it really could happen for them. And I, I would like to see it. I'd like to see Neymar win a, a Champions League on his own. Um, I, I do think it's very, very feasible. And, and who, who have they drawn in a Champions League, by the way? Um, if it were, um, if he were to be appointed right now. They drew, they drew Barcelona, of course. Barcelona, yes. <laughs> so, so it's, yeah, tough task. Tough, you know, tall task, to say the least. Yeah, I mean... I think it's a tough, tougher job than people may think originally, um, because I think their squad is in attack. You know, obviously it's it's pretty strong. I don't think it's that deep of a squad though, and I think their defense is is really um, kind of shoddy. Um, you know, outside backs, um, 
not very strong. Um, you know, you have um, uh, Kurzawa and Bernat on the left. Um, they play Bakara as well, I believe. <clears throat> right. And then on the right, um, who have they been playing on the right? I mean, I know they played Kara there. Um, Tembele, is that right? Yeah, yeah. And I, I don't think really know. Signed... Yeah, you're right. You, you're right. I don't know. Let's see. Here, I'm just pulling up their... Oh, they have Florenzi. That's that's who they kind of brought in. Okay, mm-hmm. but but yeah, I mean the, these are not um you know players you expect to have when you're when you're competing for a Champions League. So I think there's there's definitely some squad building to do um, in defense. Um, also, the fact that Thiago Silva left has definitely hurt them. So basically, it's it's now Presto Kimpembe um, alone back there. You know, you have yeah. Marquinhos, but he's been playing more in the in the center of the park. So I think hopefully what um Poch does is bring Marquinhos back to to center back and and then um. You know that that'll hopefully solidify them a little bit. Um, you know, in the middle middle of the park, I think they're decent. You know, Gay is solid. Ferrati's good. Pared is a solid. Um, you, know, you could always upgrade there. Um, but but I think uh, in attack, obviously they're strong. And bringing Moise Keane in on loan, I think, is is a good great signing. Um, for whatever reason, didn't work out at Everton, but you know he was he was one of the hottest prospects at Juve. So. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how Poch influences style. The, the other thing is, I mean, I don't know if, if Mbappe leaves uh, in the summer, you know, that obviously changes things. But hey, maybe Messi comes in. <laughs> I don't know. Um, so I think there's well, actually you... a lot of questions on the squad building sides of things. Um, I don't know. It, it, it'll be interesting. Yeah. So, so I was going to say, um, th- there's quite a bit of depth in the center of the park. You said Verratti. You have Sarabia who can play in the midfield um, under Herrera. Marquinhos plays as a holding. I don't, I mean, Sarabi, I guess, would, would count, but although he may play on the wing more more often, there isn't necessarily an out-and-out 10 that, that I can identify, and and I think that's part of the reason we've seen a lot of Tele Alley rumors. Um, that I don't know, I mean, I don't know how legitimate they are, just because, you know, Tele Alley's not getting time with Mourinho, Poch loves Deli Alley, you know, make it happen. But, uh, you know, could we see Deli Alley at PSG? Yeah, that's I mean, an and interesting. What would, that, one. what would that even look? What would that even look like? I don't even know. I don't. I don't know. I, to me, I don't see that happening. I mean, they do have Draxler who, who can play as a ten. Rafinha's yeah, there yeah. also. Um, oh, that's true. But it, but it seems like I don't. I don't see them. I mean, I guess Potts, Maybe he does prefer to play with a ten. Um, so, so that that that's interesting. But I, I think you have enough talent there. I mean, you can stick Neymar as a, as a as a false nine. You can play Di Maria and Mbappe. I think that's plenty of, of attacking talent there. Um, and then you know also have Mario Cardi you can you can put on a center forward. So I, I don't honestly. I, I forgot he Cardi was that at PSG. Um, I, yeah, <laughs> he, he's injured right now. It looks like um, he'll be back. Uh, unknown, unknown, unknown return. But mm-hmm. you know, I think it could make sense to bring in Delhi because Pochettino, um, you know, obviously knows him and likes him, and he seems to be on the on the outset at at Spurs. But from a squad building perspective, I don't think that's where they need to really address it. Um, right now, I think they, they have a lot of lot more issues in defense. Um, so, you, yeah. you think that any you think that you know there's quite an abundance of young French center backs, talented young French center backs around the world. You think that the vast majority of them would love to play for the best team in France? But yeah, that <laughs> it might would be seem a starting so. place. Maybe uh, Leipzig yeah. might be a starting place. Yeah, that's true. You have Konate and uh, and uh, what's his name? Upamecano. Um, yeah, Upamecano. Um, but uh, I, I think Tilo Kerr is, is a good 
good player there at, at center back. I'm more concerned, honestly, at um at right back and left back. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but yeah, and you know, how how uh, how long do you think it will take Pochettino to really implement his style here? Yeah, um, so we're we're, we're going to assume he comes in midpoint of this season. You know, it surely won't happen by the end of the season. Um, but we could see him bring in a couple players, maybe that he's more familiar with, um, that, that he can use as kind of starting blocks um, as he sort of builds this community almost, this, this tight-knit team. Um, you know, I, I think we could see it within 12 months. I think we could see things start to come together. Um, I mean, I, I don't want to say things start to come together. PSG is wildly successful as it is. But, you know, it's it's really it's really all dependent on the Champions League. So it's you know in how many Champions Leagues um, could we see PSG challenge for the title again, challenge for the for the trophy? And, and I don't know. It, it, I mean, it's not this season. Could be next. Yeah, and, and the thing is, PSG are so obsessed with the Champions League because that's the trophy they they the only trophy they don't have basically. Um, mm-hmm. so, so I think it's an interesting one to bring in. Um, a manager like Pochettino, who isn't really known for his cup runs. I mean, he, he obviously got Spurs to the Champions League final. Um, but, but when you think of Pochettino, he's more of a project manager than, than someone who comes in and kind of ties it all together, um, like, like maybe a Mourinho word. Um, so, so it's an interesting one from that perspective. I think maybe PSG see um, Mbappe leaving at some point and realize they need to become a little bit more um, sustainable and organic in how they – uh, win their trophies, um, but I think he, he was definitely the best best available man for the job, and um, you know bringing back a former player, I don't think he can go wrong with that. So yeah, um, yeah, I think l- overall, l- l- it's, it's a great mm-hmm. hire. Yeah, la- last quick point on this before we move on to the next topic, so subtopic, whatever. But uh, uh, it could be a match made in heaven. You made a great point. He 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 seems to be more of a project manager, specifically based on his time at Spurs while PSG have a mentality of trophies, 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 and they really could feed off of each other. Pochettino, um, you know, can learn from, you know, just from the culture of PSG, like, you know, we're here to win trophies. Yeah. We're not, we're not just here to have a good time. Um, and likewise, he, you know, by implementing his, his style and by implementing, you know, his authority, you know, it could bring PSG closer together and, and you really think things could just fall in order for them with, with the Champions League. Yeah. And, I guess one last point is um, Pochettino. Uh, one thing he's known for is uh, promoting or promoting players from the from the academy to the first team. And I think PSG they always have you know abundance of talent from the academy. And, and it's funny because their talent basically supplies a lot of a lot of Europe. You know, you have Nkunku, um, you have Timothy Weah who, who's left, and uh, Musa Diaby, I believe. So, so there's so much attacking talent or just talent in general that has come through PSG's academy. I think people are, you know, starting to wonder, you know, why did they hold on to these kind of players? So I think maybe Pochettino can, can start to integrate these, these types of players into his team and not be as reliant on, um, you know, mass transfers. Um, yeah, yeah, I think King, Kingsley Coman might be another, I'm not positive. Uh, but, yeah, uh, Coman, yeah, it's a good, good show. It's a big one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, so let's do we want to move forward here? Yeah, yeah. All right. Let's talk about AC Milan. AC Milan, you know, have not been giants in the Serie A for, for quite some time, but they're currently top of the Serie A. Um, Juventus nowhere in sight right now. It's it's really Milan and Inter, you know, the classic rivalry. Um, you know, 
it's, it's, it's kind of exciting. We're seeing some change, although my concern is that we've seen this story before. Juventus, the last two or three seasons, I, I feel, haven't started off too great, but it seems to always work out in their favor, and they always do seem to come back. Atalanta put up a good fight last season, Lazio last season, uh, Inter. Um, there are good teams in the league, but Juventus seem to always win it. Do you think, for, I mean, first of all, is this the, the, the year Juventus finally don't win the Serie A, Pirlo's first season in charge? And, yeah. and could it be Milan? Yeah, I, I don't see Juventus winning it this season. Um, I think Ronaldo's been in great form, but I think, you know, the gap is, is a little bit, um, you know, too big to close right now. And I think Pirlo's still kind of experimenting. So I think, you know, where uh, Juventus are going to be more effective is actually um, in the Champions League, um, just because they have all that experience and, and talent um, in Ronaldo. But I mean, if you look at where they are, uh, they're six on the table right now. They're, they're 10 points behind Milan. Um, and, and they do have a game in hand. Um, but it, it's a pretty big gap to, to, to close, um, you know, at this point. So I think, you know, if you're Milan, I think you're more worried about Inter Milan, who's only a point behind you. Um, maybe Roma, who, who's, who's seven points. I think really it's a two-horse race at this point between the two Milan clubs, which is quite a throwback to, um, you know, the glory days of Serie A. And, uh, you know, part of the reason I, I became an AC Milan fan back in the day. So, yeah, me too, uh, me too. <laughs> back when yeah, I was so younger. I'll, uh, I'll claim the AC Milan fandom if, if, they, uh, if they win this season. Um, but I, I honestly think, I think Inter are going to end up making this one at the end. I think AC Milan, if you look at their, at their team, they, um, they're still not that, that talented, to be honest with you. I mean, Zlatan has been leading the line. He has 10 goals in, in six games. Um, the season, I believe you said, and, you know, that's, that's a great player to have, but, um, you know, they're still pretty inexperienced. You know, you have Rafael Leal there, you know, you have uh, Peter Ten Hauge, the guy they just signed. So they, they kind of have a, a young, untested group here, and having only a point lead, I, I would uh, favor Inter Milan because uh, Lukaku, Baltar Martinez, uh, <laughs> Christian Eriksen still there, although he may leave. Um, you still have um, Perisic there. I just Ashley think Young squad. Yes, Ashley Young. Oh, Hakimi kind of came into his own. I got to see Inter play. Um, they got to, they were playing uh, Verona, I think. Mm-hmm. And uh, Hakimi just dominated, man. He's he's really he's really coming to his own on that right side there. And so I think I think Inter is going to end up uh, winning this one. But got to got to credit Pioli, um, AC Milan. What he what he's done so far is is uh, pretty remarkable, um, considering how how far Milan has fallen in, in recent years. Yeah, I mean. There's not much to say here. There is definitely a gap in quality between Inter and, and AC Milan. Um, it's a young squad, and it just it really might not be sustainable. We're, we're not halfway through the season yet. And, and look, I, I wouldn't necessarily count out Juventus. They're, they're 10 points back with a game in hand. Effect, you know, you'd assume effectively they're seven points back with, you know, what, 22, 24 games to go. Um, uh, it's exciting to see, you know, a 10-point gap. There's a big difference between a 10-point gap halfway through the season and with two games left in the season, um, which is why, you know, we're coming full circle here, which is why Arsenal are finishing top four in the Premier League. Nah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think Juventus will definitely move up from the table into those Champions League spots eventually um, because, you know, like you said, this seems to happen a lot. Um, these kind of pretenders, if you, if you will, um, the Roma, Sassuolo, Napoli, 
Um, yes, what South Wales has been doing is, is incredible too. You know, very small club, but they've they have a, a lot of young talent there as well. Um, but you know, I think so Juventus. Yeah, yeah, and that's um, yeah, interesting. Uh, South Wales have really fallen off this season, um, but uh, you know they're in seventh. I guess it's not that far off, but um, but yeah, I think Juve will, will come back and. The former Ronaldo's in is quite scary, um, to be honest. You know, he's he's kind of quietly gone about racking up all these goals. I mean, I saw his goal tally the other day, and I couldn't believe it. I mean, he is more than a goal a game, I think. Again, um, so it's it's quite impressive, and um, yeah, you you will definitely be be in the running. Yeah, that's why you can't ever count him out in the Champions League, which you know I guess brings us to our final point for today. And, and let's just you know let's talk a little bit about the Champions League. We we have the round of sixteen draw. Um, you know, that came out a bit ago, a couple couple weeks ago, I think. Um, and we, we have some interesting matchups. We already talked a bit about Atletico-Chelsea. Um, you know, I'm not I'm not sure if you have the matchups in front of you. What, what, what matchup are you most excited for and why? Yeah, I think Barca-Paris just stands out just because um, if I'd agree there. I think Atletico-Chelsea is another one um, that is just on paper. The amount of talent there, the, the storylines coming to this game. Um, will be fascinating. So those are those are probably the top two games for me. But I mean, at, any Champions League game you look at here, it's it's quite fascinating. I mean, um, I think all these games will be quite exciting. I think um, you know Leipzig Liverpool will be another one. Um, you know, two really uh, you know pressing you know high tempo pressing teams. So that'll be a great watch. You know, two German managers going at it there. Um, I think Liverpool are going to be in for a fight there, um, as we as we've seen with Leipzig last year. Um, they're not afraid of anyone. So, um, you know, I think those two, uh, Barca, Paris, or both those three, Barca, Paris, Atletico, Chelsea, Leipzig, Liverpool really stand out to me. That's that. The, uh, that's the one I'm excited for, Leipzig, Liverpool. I think uh, might have been Jack Collins or Sam Tai, you know, big ranks FC stands here, but um, called it the, the Navi Keita derby. And <laughs> <laughs> so maybe we'll see Navi Keita feature. But, you know, that's one, again, Leipzig's a team I think can beat anyone. Liverpool will be without Virgil van Dijk. You know, we've seen they haven't struggled all that much, but still, Virgil van Dijk's a big mess in the game of this, you know, importance and the significance. So that's the one I'm looking forward to. I think another very tightly contested one will be Sevilla Dortmund. Sevilla's in good form right now. I mean, the, the round of 16 that will, will, won't take place for another, I think, two months, if I'm, yeah, if I'm not wrong. Yeah, so, so it is a long time from now, but you know, Dortmund has been on the decline. They've been without Holland. They should have him back for this matchup. But, I mean, Sevilla's looking great right now. Um, and so that's one that, that I think could go either way as well. Yeah, I think pure entertainment value. I think Leipzig-Liverpool will, will be the game to watch. I think yeah. you just should expect goals there and, uh, and crazy things. Um, but, yeah, let's, let's, kind of, let's just run through each matchup and, and kind of give a pick on, on who we think is going to win. Um, mm-hmm. I'll start, you know, Gladbach versus City. I'll take City there, but, you know, I think Gladbach could really make it interesting. Um, you know, they're, you know, a, a fun side to watch. One of my favorites in the Bundesliga. They have a lot of um, a talent there. You know, it's Marcus Turam, uh, <clears throat> Alisson Playa. Uh, you have Zambolo there. So that'll be a fun matchup. Um, but City are, are quite a boring side right now. They just kind uh, of choke you to death. <laughs> it's, it's crazy. Uh, it's it's every, every match feels like a 1-0 victory, 2-0 victory. Yeah, I mean, I watched them yesterday beat Newcastle, and that was that was painful to watch for a number of reasons. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, City, they just kind of seem disinterested. You know, they take the lead, and they're like, whatever, you know. But in the past, it seems like they would kind of um, they'd go for the kill shot, you know, putting five, six, seven passes. 
past teams, it seems like. Um, but but anyway, yeah, who, who do you have going through there? Yeah, I think you, it's hard to, to bet against City. Um, it, it's hard to bet against City. Also, I, I think we should give uh, aggregate score predictions as well. And okay, here, I'm sure. going to say, I don't know, Gladbach scores a lot of goals, though. They do yeah. score a lot of goals. It, it could end up. I, I, you can't bet against City this early in the competition. I'm going to say Manchester City, 3-2 on aggregate. Okay, I'm going to say 3-1 City on aggregate. Okay. All right, uh, next we have Lazio-Byron. I think this is another matchup uh, kind of similar to City. So I'd like Lazio are our fun team. I had the Golden Boot uh, winner last season in, uh, in uh, Chiro Mobley. Um, obviously, Byron are a juggernaut defending Champions League winner. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to favor Bayern here. Um, I think they'll win this a little more handily on aggregate. Uh, you know, I think this is going to be, we'll, we'll call it 6-2 to two on aggregate. Uh, I was going to say 6 as well. I was going to say 6-1 <laughs> on a penalty from Immobile. Oh, okay. Classic. <laughs> Classic Immobile. All right. Yeah. All right. Uh, next up, we have Atletico Chelsea. Um, yeah, this is, this is quite an even matchup. I, I think this is going to be really, really close. Um, you know, I think Chelsea take the lead here. I think they win 1-0 in the first first game. But I think Atletico nick it with uh, a couple of goals off set pieces. So I'm going to say 2-1 Atletico. Um, yeah. Oh, wow. You know, I, I'm actually going Chelsea here. And I'm, I'm saying that because, you know, we've been talking so much. We've been, I don't want to say criticizing. We've been, we've been pointing out all the, the flaws in this Chelsea team. And I think, although it might not happen in the Prem, they're going to, they're going to get by Atletico more you know, more surprising than people thought. They're going to score five goals past Atletico over wow. two games. Coming out party. Five two. Five two. Frank is Frank is uh, has arrived. All right. Um, know, Giroud with five. <laughs> <laughs> oh my nah, god. Five five two Chelsea. All right. Uh, Leipzig Liverpool here. Navi Kate Darty. Um, you know, I think uh, Leipzig manager. Um, <laughs> we, we saw his. Uh, 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 his uh, his dress dress uh, dress code was uh, in question early in the Champions League uh, against uh, Manchester United, uh, which is interesting. But uh, Julian Nagelsmann, um, obviously a great manager. I think um, I think Liverpool nick it here. I think it's going to be very tight again. I think it's going to go two two um, all the way to penalties, um, and then uh, Mo Salah scores a winning penalty. I think Nagelsmann wears. Um, a trench coat uh, with a top hat. <laughs> so, wait, what's your what's your final prediction score? Uh, two two, and then a Liverpool through on penalty. Uh, got it. Well, I think Nagelsmann's going to wear an all white suit, and <laughs> uh, Liverpool go through five four. Wow! All right. It's um, going to be the highest scoring uh, round of sixteen we've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and then it's going to end up being like zero zero. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, next, we got uh, Porto Juventus. Yeah, I think you, this will be uh, kind of a boring match. I mean, Porto have, have a decent amount of talent, and I think they're doing pretty well in their league. But I think Juve will just kind of, um, you know, out-talent them, um, for lack of a better word. I think a well Ronaldo Hattrick. Well yeah, Ronaldo, Ronaldo Hattrick in the first game, and they'll just kind of ease off in there. So I'm, I'm going to say 4-1 four to, four to one Juve advance here. I'm going to say 3-0. No. Okay, 3-0. Juventus, right. of course. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, Barca Paris is up next. Um, honestly, um, not not too hot on, on Barca. Um, 
you know, we've seen them struggle. They got blown out by Juve in the, in the last uh, Champions League game there. Um, you know, I think Paris, for all their problems, uh, are, still, are still much more talented. And maybe Poch brings in that little bit of spark, you know. So I, I think um, I think uh, I think Paris wins this one three 0 Wow! I mean, hey, it's Poch's first match in charge. Barcelona yeah. go through four two. Wow! A lot of faith there. A lot of faith. I, I, you know, <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. I'm very. I am very excited. I can't lie. That's got to be the most exciting matchup. No, you can't. Yeah. You can't. I'm not yeah, going to be I mean, that guy. This is messy, by far the most Messi exciting versus matchup. Mbappe, Neymar. I mean, yeah, it'll be interesting. Dor- um, Dortmund Sevilla, go ahead. Yeah, Dortmund Sevilla. I think this will be a really fun matchup. Honestly, I think this will have the most goals. Um, Dortmund always a lot of goals, and I feel like Sevilla are always a fun team to watch as well. Um, I have Sevilla going through here. I think it's going to be a three-two to Sevilla. It's going to be quite an exciting uh, affair here. I think Dortmund just their defense is going to let them down here once again. <clears throat> I'm going to say 3-3, Dortmund go through on uh, away goals. I'm okay. say, I mean, Erling Holland. I, I think Erling Holland will score all three. Oh, wow. Okay. Bold, bold I'm going to add that little wrinkle in there. Yeah, no, I like it. I like it. All right. Uh, final matchup, Atalanta, Real Madrid. Ooh, this this is an upset, I think, waiting to happen. Ooh. I think Atalanta are reeling. I mean, Papa Gomez said he doesn't want to play for the club anymore, which is obviously not good. Um, but... I don't know, for whatever reason, you know, Real Madrid have not looked convincing at all. But I feel like they, they always do this. So I'm going to take Atalanta here just to kind of break with uh, what I've been going with. But I think, yeah, I'm, I'm going to say Atalanta uh, win this one um, two to one. Yeah, I, I got to I gotta go Real Madrid. Um, I'm going to call it close as well, though. I'm going to say 4-3 Real Madrid. All right. I guess we'll, we'll check back in March for the, uh, for, for these and uh, we'll, we'll see how long though. we are. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but yeah, I think, think we covered a lot of things today. Yeah, no, it was a lot of fun. I enjoyed this, but uh, look, we'll, we'll, we'll put our picks up on Twitter. Obviously it's been fun talking about Chelsea, especially after the result yesterday, but I, you know, I think this is a good place to, to wrap up for today. So yeah, I mean, thank you all for, for, for tuning in today. Uh, make sure to check us out on Twitter. Again, we'll post them there at Fluid Footy Pod. Follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. And we will catch you all next time. Shane makes him mid on the wing. And you got two men down just being him. They wearing Gucci. So in Gucci. Because you know me, I'm drinking Gucci.